Missions Weekend is one of our most fun weekends that we get to do throughout the year. We do three of them. So uh, I'm glad that you're with us, whether you're joining us in person or online or uh, later watching on TV or listening on radio. This is one of the times where we get to hear some about what God is doing in other parts of the world, but also one of the, the most exciting things for me as well is what God's doing right here in our city and what God is using people from here in this church or people connected to this church or people that you give to help support what God is using them to do in other parts of the world. So today we're gonna have three different missionary couples sharing with us and in a minute I'm gonna introduce the first uh, speaker for us this morning but I would challenge you this morning as we go throughout our morning to listen carefully, to, to listen well and to consider while you're listening the fact that every believer is a missionary. And what does that look like for us? to not only hear what God is using others to do, but to consider well what God would use you and me to do. What has he called us to do? Who has he called us to reach with the gospel? You'll hear that throughout the morning, but I just wanted to give us a little bit of a preface towards the end. At the end of our service today, we have two very exciting things we're gonna do. One, we're gonna commission one of our very own couples from this church that is going to the mission field, Don and Wendy Tinch. And that is an exciting time for us to get to do as a church together. But we're also going to have a time right after that where we're going to have an opportunity for you to respond. So be thinking this morning as you hear about all that God is doing and as you receive the challenge of what he's called you to do and what he's called us to do together as a church family. And at the end of this morning's gathering, we'll have some folks down here that can meet with you or pray with you if you feel the Lord is calling you specifically to move into his mission more greatly. We'd love to be able to help you do that in whatever way we can. So let me introduce our first speaker this morning, Adam Brago. Adam and I have known each other pretty much, well, his whole life. Um, and uh, I've, I've watched him as he has just done a remarkable job uh, serving in the city right here in Syracuse. Adam and Christina and their family are here with us this morning. They serve with Serve Syracuse. They're also part of Missio Church down in the city. And he's going to come and talk to us about what God would have us to do. And specifically, they spend a lot of time working with refugee families locally and working with the underprivileged and also through Serve Syracuse, helping other ministries in the city have what they need. So it's a huge need uh, that we have right here locally. There may be some ways that you can plug in. So be, as you listen, be aware of that. Be thinking about that. So Adam, you come and get us started. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It really is an honor to be here with you today. And I don't say that just because that's what guest speakers are supposed to say. Uh, it really is, is a privilege when I think back on the history of what God has done in, in my life and, and my family and this place, these people uh, have really have a special place because, just briefly, because I know many of you don't know me, uh, there was a Thursday in January 1983 when uh, my dad went to meet with, with Roger Burdick, who's a longtime member here, and Roger introduced him to Denny Burns, who's Pastor Rob's dad, and together those two of them introduced my dad to a very important person named Jesus and uh, changed his life forever. And three days later, my parents brought me here uh, on a Sunday at just a couple of months old, and I spent the next 20 years here uh, being formed and shaped you know, by some of the people in this room. And so uh, this, this church, this place, uh, Matt, who you're going to hear from, my youth pastor here, played a huge role. Uh, in my life, and so being here always prompts me to kind of look back with gratitude on what God has done. So thank you for the opportunity. 
As Rob said, I've been a pastor at Missio Church in downtown Syracuse for the past eight years. My primary focus there has been on local outreach, uh, partnering with other churches, planting other churches in the city. And there are, uh, in the city of Syracuse, 32 distinct neighborhoods uh, in the city. And our prayer at Missio, our prayer through Serve Syracuse, is that each of those 32 neighborhoods would have some expression of the church, a church plant, a small group, a missional community, a partner of ours. Uh, each one would have some expression of the church so that every man, woman, and child in the city would have access to the gospel through followers of Christ. And we, we go about that in three main ways. One, we seek to plant more churches. Uh, over the last eight years, we've, we've helped plant five churches. We do it through partnering with other churches that stand on the gospel uh, because we believe that the unity of the church is a beautiful thing. It's pleasing to our, to our God, and it certainly we can't accomplish what he's called us to on our own. And so we need other ministries. We need other churches. And so we started Serve Syracuse uh, to, to be a platform to do that, to build a network of ministries and churches in the city. But most importantly, uh, we seek to, to reach our city through the mobilization of people, of all of Christ's people in our ordinary, everyday lives. One example of that, a few weeks ago, one of my friends was driving uh, for Uber. He's a refugee from Nepal, and uh, there's a woman who was his passenger in the back seat, and during their, the course of their drive, he led her to faith in Christ, introduced her to Jesus, and he calls me up right after, and he asked if I would follow up with her because uh, he wasn't too confident in his English, and so I connected her to a lady uh, from one of our congregations. Uh, she met with her, brought her to church on Sunday, and she'll continue to follow up and to disciple her. Um, but it's really those types of ordinary, everyday interactions. It's not left to the pastors and church planters uh, to reach our city. Uh, and so we want to see people mobilized. But I work in, in several different areas. One of those, as Rob said, is with refugees. And this church uh, is no stranger to that sort of ministry. You've had a great impact on the north side of the city where a lot of refugees are resettled, particularly you've worked uh, among the Burmese. And so I wanted to highlight something that we're involved with, which some of you may want to consider. Uh, but starting in October, Syracuse is going to receive around 100 refugees per month, and that's likely going to continue for at least several years. But if you think about it, in a city of 145,000 people, that's 1,200 refugees a year. That's a pretty big impact especially over the course of several years on our city. And so I, I don't have time to get into what's kind of behind all of that, and Matt's going to take the time to really share why we as the people of God uh, should respond to something like that and should care about something like that. But I, I want to just uh, briefly highlight this for you, because and here's what you need to know. The last time we had a wave of refugees like this in Syracuse was around 2008 to 2015, and we saw people come from uh, Nepal and Bhutan, Myanmar, Cuba, South Sudan, Somalia, and God did some unbelievable things during that time. There was so much receptivity among those groups that we saw more baptisms, we saw more churches planted than this city, than this region has seen uh, in a long time as a result of that. And so during all of that, our, our church recognized two just basic needs that they had. One was to learn English uh, so that they can get jobs, so that they can navigate the culture, so that they're not as overwhelmed when they go to Wegmans. Um, but two was, was friendship, relationship, uh, people that would love them, show hospitality, welcome them, embrace them when they're in a place far uh, from their home. And so there's a few things that we're preparing to do, and we've been 
wanting to, to get ready as this next wave is about to begin. And so three specific things you can consider. Uh, one, we are, we've already started to offer conversational English on Tuesday nights at 7 at 907 Butternut. And some of you have been down to that location before. You're familiar with it. Uh, but we want to offer conversational English. One of our deacons, Ed Butler, teaches English during the day in the Refugee Assistance Program. And he was meeting with one of his students who's Congolese and who's a believer, and together they thought this would be a great way to serve. Uh, rather than offering another full-fledged English class, offer the students an opportunity to just come and practice speaking. Uh, that's how they learn, really, is just to have conversation. And so you don't need to have uh, training. You don't need to, to be able to teach uh, English as a second language to do this. You just need to be able to sit down with someone. We'll give you conversation guides, and that way you can help them practice and build a meaningful friendship. Second, we're going to have a prayer gathering uh, Saturday morning, September 18th. We think of Jesus' words to his disciples in Luke 10 as he said that the harvest is plentiful, and so we want to pr pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this specific harvest. And so we'll gather with leaders from different ethnic churches together to pray for the people groups that are about to come. And then lastly, we want to put together a welcome team, folks who would be willing to be paired up with another individual or family when they first arrive. And so we've, we've spoken with the two agencies in Syracuse that resettle refugees, and one of their biggest needs is folks who would serve on a welcome team so that basically what will happen, if you were interested in that, they would call me when a family arrives, and I would start working down through the list of people on our welcome team. I would call you, and you would go and meet them uh, in their home, welcome them, and begin a friendship with them uh, to be available to them, take them to appointments, help them get integrated here. And so I don't expect you to remember all those details. So there are cards out in the, the foyer that you can grab or you can come see me that have the location and the times and the dates uh, for all of that stuff. But again, I, I just want to thank you and, and Rob for allowing me to be a part of this missions weekend. And as we tell our folks when we have specific opportunities like this, we need some of you to go and make disciples by coming with me in this particular effort. But we need all of you Right, to go and make disciples right where you are, to be faithful and bold in your neighborhood, in your workplace, uh, in your community. So, thank you. Thanks, Adam. Next, we have Bailey and Denise Marks. Bailey and Denise serve with, and, and the direct quote that Bailey told me was, I can, I can call him whatever at this point because there's lots of different names. So I'm going to refrain from doing that. But they serve in Europe, working in major cities through a group called Agape in Europe. They, that is also part of Campus Crusade for Christ International. Uh, we know it here in the United States as crew now. Uh, Bailey and Denise have been missionaries from this church for the last six years or so. Uh, and they're going to come share with us a little bit about what they're doing, what God's using them to do, and then possibly also some ways that we can be involved and connect. Thanks. Well, good morning. We are going to be really quick this morning, and I'm going to talk a little bit at about 30,000 feet, and then Denise is going to bring it down to more practical. But first, we just want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of what we've been doing, as Rob said, for the last six years. And I'm going to revisit a scripture I think I probably shared last time I was here. But I think as, as we've listened uh, to the theme of the week and see the direction that you're 
pursuing here, um, it still sticks. And it comes out of the ninth chapter of Matthew. And this goes back 25 years to before when Denise and I had the privilege of working with Larry and Gail Taylor for 10 or 12 years. But it's, it's kind of been the passage that has kept us going in what we do. And it comes right before that passage that we all know that says the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Um, but it says that Jesus went through all the town, cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And, and four quick points here that I think are still relevant to us today. It says, one, that they went to all the towns and villages. We know the scope is the whole world. All the towns, all the villages. We're focusing on cities, but it's everywhere. The second point, and it's kind of the obvious one in missions, they preach the gospel. Oh, of course. I mean, we, that, that's what we do. But it went on further to said that they healed every disease and sickness. And so what is that today? And as Adam talked about, we all have a part in that. It's not just the missionaries that have this, but what is the disease and the sickness that God would have us to address in our city, in our village, in our community? And the final point is it said he had compassion. And that's the one that got me because I can be very academic about preaching the gospel. Of course we do that. But if my heart is not one of compassion for people, then I've got it wrong. So how we do that, again, at the, the 30,000 foot level, there are three things. And try and keep it easy where you can remember it. And it's really so I can remember it. But we help our local ministries in 23 countries of Western Europe, one, figure out the best way to share the whole gospel. And the whole gospel, as I said, it's going everywhere, it's preaching the gospel, it's healing disease and sickness with compassion. Secondly, it's not just our job as the missionary or as Agape Europe or Campus Crusade. It's the job of the whole church. So how do we bring the whole church together in our cities to work together? And finally, the gospel has an impact in our life throughout. It's not just a point in time where we accept Christ or come to faith, but God calls us to be disciples for our whole life. So how do we figure that out or how do we do that most effectively in our cities today? Okay, so Denise is going to kind of pull it down to a more practical level, I hope. <laughs> well, just give you an example, actually. So there is a small northern European country called Estonia that is probably one of the least Christian countries in all of Western Europe. And it also has one of the most prestigious universities in Europe. So it's a prosperous country, a well-educated country, but one that doesn't really respond well to the gospel. And we've had campus ministry there on, on that university campus for a number of years trying traditional things. But recently, they tried a different approach and decided to find a spot near campus where they could just be a place where students could come and hang out. And it's that idea of whole gospel. How could they meet their needs? How could they give them a place to have community, get a good cup of coffee, study, 
And it also let the, the Christian and non-Christian students mingle and talk and have conversations. And as a result of this, now 20% of that campus every year comes through those doors and connects with them. And even during COVID, they were able to keep that kind of community online. And it was because they began to meet their needs. They began to think about their whole life, not just whether or not they had an event and preached the gospel to these students. So that was the first part. But it also meant that now with 20% of these college students coming through their doors, they couldn't begin as six full-time staff to do that. It required the churches locally and other organizations. So they were forced really to partner together and to work with other organizations to try to be there and uh, provide opportunities for those students. And it also raised another really important issue, and that was there were a lot of young adults now coming out of the university saying, how can I have an impact in my city, in the marketplace, as a 25-year-old right out of university? And fortunately, our organization is beginning to really look at how can we equip better those young leaders. And I'm very fortunate, blessed to be able to work now with a group of young adults from all over the world who are looking at that very issue of how to empower these young adults in the marketplace. So just as Bailey was saying that this idea of the whole of the gospel with the whole of the church together for the whole of your life, there are practical examples of that. And as all the missionaries are talking about today, and um, as you as a church are, are, are pressing into that, we'd ask you to really pray. There are places all over the world who are wrestling with this same thing. How do we help um, just average Christians out there in the workplace be missionaries and be on mission for God right where they are? So we appreciate your support. We appreciate your encouragement um, and your prayers and continued example, because as you do it here, uh, you're part of a greater movement around the world that is trying to do this very thing. So we're thankful for you and for this opportunity just to share a little bit about what's happening in the rest of the world in this area. So thanks. Thanks, Bailey and Denise. Matt Paschal and Nikki Paschal and their family work with UWM uh, Mission Board, specifically with strategic partnerships throughout Europe. But these last few years, one of the very uh, direct places that God has been using them is in refugee ministry and what that looks like to reach a Europe that is greatly changing uh, with the refugee crisis and what it looks like to be involved in that. So Matt's going to come. Matt is also my brother-in-law. Um, so he's going to come take us through some places in Jeremiah 29, uh, challenge us with what God's word says about those that are in greatest need and how it is that we should be responding in order to, like we sang earlier, burn like a fire with what God's put inside of us, the gospel of Jesus Christ to take to the nations. So I'll turn it over to Matt. Thanks, Rob. Right. Good to be back. Yeah. Thank you guys. It's a warm, a warm welcome and it's always a pleasure to be back in Syracuse. For those who don't know, I was on staff from 1995 to 2001 and so I got to see a young men like Adam from seventh grade on and graduated and truly is a joy and a crown to see you serving. And ironically, we're doing very similar kind of ministries so it's really a blessing. Um, my wife is here. I have a picture I think of the family. Um, we're almost all here but uh, if you want to show up 
a photo of the family, that would be great. But Nikki uh, grew up in this church. Dad was on staff. Uh, we had two children born in Syracuse, and then the Lord called us into mission. We were living in the Albany area. I have two others, so we have two teenagers, uh, Shane and Adelaide, and we have two who have graduated from university, uh, Jake and Clarissa. So we do thank you guys for supporting us all through this process of going to Africa, now Eastern Europe and Budapest, and uh, what God has called us to do. We, we feel like, uh, I don't know if you've ever taken your kids to a parade, but um, generally when we get to a parade, it's usually late and you can't really see, and so there's times you, you put your child up on your shoulders and they get like a really good view of what's going by. I feel like that as a missionary. I feel like you guys as a church have, have propped us up in support and prayer, and we get to see a perspective of what God is doing in the world. That's a, it's totally a blessing and it's amazing. And we're kind of like shouting down from the shoulder tops, hey, this is what God is doing. This is a perspective of the world that maybe you're not seeing because you're down in the midst of all the, you know, the crowd. And I, hopefully the, today, as we look at Scripture and as we show you uh, what God has to say in this, in this ever-changing world that we live in, a bit of a, a different perspective. And I pray that it will be encouraging you. I pray that it will push you. I pray that it will hopefully break some of the resistance that we have to reaching those who God has sent to our doorstep. We have a lot of work to do as a church. And one of the exciting things of being back in North Syracuse is just seeing the mosaic and the different changing of the cultures and, and all that, going into Wagmans and going into the, the stores. Like, wow, this is not the same Syracuse that I remember. And that is really, really, for me, as a missionary, exciting. Some of you might, that's scary. But I want to look at Scripture today and what, is the, what does God's Word have to say in the midst of a changing world in which we live? Rob, I just need to know, are we doing, sticking to the same time? Do I need an audible? <laughs> okay. I just have notes for a lot longer time than I have right now. So I'm going to talk really fast, but let's read this scripture together. We're going to look at uh, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 14, and we're going to apply this to what is God's mission for us as we are called to be a blessing to the city. So let's read together. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. 
I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. This is the word of God for us this morning. Jeremiah was called to prophesy in a world turned upside down. He had a 40-year ministry. They had five years of revival, turning to God, that was very short-lived. It was a sort of uh, Hail Mary before the end. So the short-lived brokenness went back into idolatry and apostasy, and he was called the weeping prophet because he basically preached to a very resistant, stiff-necked, and unrepentant people. He watched this people get carted off, slaughtered, and and exiled to what is now uh, present-day Iran. They were in Babylon. He watched as the Assyrian Empire uh, in what then was the ancient city of Nineveh completely uh, disintegrate. Nineveh, just so you know, is in modern-day Iraq, and you can visit Nineveh. It's, It's near Mosul. Um, you had now the Iranian empire, the Nebuchadnezzar, his, had, his plan was to take over all of the Fertile Crescent, t- including uh, the Holy Land. This fall was preceded by a generation of unrest. Everyone was scattered, their hopes of their country completely dashed, all the promises of this kingdom wiped out, and now they were living, many of them, in foreign lands, eating foreign food, hearing a foreign language, unable to worship God. That was the context of Jeremiah writing this letter. He was writing it to, there was about, they estimate about 3,000 exiles. And he was trying to encourage them to have God's perspective on this forced dislocation that they had experienced. And instead of hearing what they wanted to hear, which was basically it's going to end quickly, God's going to rescue us, it's not really as bad as you think, we're going to go back to the good old days, it's just going to be like how we remembered it, Jeremiah says, no, don't listen to that. Listen to the word of the Lord. The Lord says 70 years. That's a whole generation, or two, actually. That's a long time. And I have some words for you to stay faithful in the midst of a changing world. So just a couple quick points, and um, I think it has words, word, words for us today. We are in a changing world today. We are living in a time when more people live in the city than have ever lived in cities before. This is a global, urban world. People are moving to the cities from the rural areas. We saw that in Africa. They called it the rural exodus. They could not keep people in the village, and it was for a variety of reasons, um, But it's an unstoppable force changing our world. Europe is changing. We have missionaries looking at cities as strategic centers for changing not only the city, but the whole country. Because as the city goes, so goes the country. We have uh, this issue of of migration of of refugees. Um, And it is really shocking. We didn't plan to work with refugees when we moved to Budapest. But six months after we moved there, half a million people went through our city. I watched it happen. It was amazing and, and heartbreaking as, we, as Bailey read the passage about sheep without a shepherd. I just saw thousands of people literally without shepherds. And it began to radically shift. Maybe I need to shift my mission call to the shepherdless people and to, to bring them into a relationship with God. So as our culture is also changing, we're becoming increasingly secular 
People are increasingly skeptical of the claims of Christianity. What we need is a return to the whole gospel. We need to return to the mission of God that he's put in our hearts. We need to reach the city that's around us, our Jerusalem and our Judea, as well as continue to the Samaria and the uttermost parts. It's both and. It's not either or. It's local. It's global. And what we do globally, on your shoulder, we're on your shoulders, you need to do locally so that we are in partnership. That is, God is sending people to your doorstep from places like Afghanistan and others. You, what you're doing is what I'm doing. And it's just, it's, it's going to be, that's, that's how the church and mission is going to be in, in the years to come. So in this message, we're going to look at what does God say to us, to the gathering place? What does he say to you? The first thing is God has called all of us to be a blessing to our city. He has called us. That is your primary call is to give him honor and glory. But how do you do that? He says by building houses, settling down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have babies, seek the peace and prosperity of your city. Be a citizen of wherever God has sent you. Have a contribution. Make an impact. All of those things he asked them to do are long-term activities. It means you have to have presence. It means you have to have relationship. It means you have to have a believability. They know you because you've rooted yourself in that community. You can't do drive-by mission work and expect to have long-term results. You have to ground yourself in the community, be a fixture of that community, and actually have something to contribute to that community. That's why I was so excited about the, the serve the, in the park, the, the thing that you guys did yesterday. It's amazing to see you actually sharing the gospel in love and deeds, and then people actually, hearts are changed. The both and gospel. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So blessing does involve spiritual redemption. It means proclaiming the gospel. When you are a, a, a blessing your city, it means that you are sharing the gospel. You have to open your mouth. But you don't just open your mouth without doing the whole gospel. It says to seek the welfare of the city or pray for shalom. And in, in, in the Jewish idea of shalom, shalom was totally holistic. Mind, body, soul, spirit. You did all of, all of it when you pray for the shalom. Now think about this. Your countrymen, had just, the Jews, had just been deported, captured by a foreign pagan empire. God's word to them is, I want you to pray for my blessing on your captors. I want you to, because as their future goes, so where your future goes. It sounds a lot like Jonah, right? I'm, I'm going to go the opposite way, Lord. That's not my call. I'm going to go this way. Head to Tarshish. No, God says, I'm going to bring you back to this people. You are going to pray for the blessing of your enemy. That's supernatural. That's your mission. But blessing impacts every aspect of society. Uh, there's lots of theologians. One, uh, one guy who's quoted a lot is Abram Kuyper. And um, he, was, he was actually a, a theologian and became prime minister in the turn of the 20th century. He says this. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. When you have that mentality that God is sovereign over all, when you're at your workplace, when you're at your school, when you are in your neighborhood, when you are driving to Wegmans and you're standing in line or at the DMV, Jesus is Lord of your life 
And as you walk around with him sovereignly over your life, you have the chance to invite people in to a new kingdom. It impacts everything. The refugee ministry that we're part of is a holistic gospel. We have people who have been fleeing war. They've seen family members killed. They've lost their jobs, their livelihoods. They're in a new place. They speak none of the languages of Europe, except some do speak English. There is spiritual challenges and problems. There is depression. There is families that are broken. And basically, to do refugee work, it's a very holistic. You have to take care of the whole person. The, the, question, the problem that we have oftentimes is we just think of the gospel as being this vertical solution between us and God. And we forget the fact that the whole gospel impacts the horizontal human relationship. When you get brought into a relationship with God, it not only solves the vertical brokenness between you and your loving father, but it also gives you the wherewithal to forgive those who have wronged you. It gives the wherewithal to heal from damaged emotions, from things. You can actually live a whole new, break a cycle, and start a new family after being brought into God's family. That's holistic. And that's the kind of relationship that we're seeing built in Europe. When you guys hear the word refugee, sometimes you think, oh, when I hear refugee, that's, that's scary. It's only negative. I want to tell you guys, there have been more refugee Christians baptized in Germany than there have been Germans baptized in Germany. Five, six years ago, when the wave of refugees came into Europe, over 1.5, 1.6 million people, many of those people came to Christ because of the love that was shown to them along the refugee highway. I had the privilege three weeks ago of being with our first group of missionaries who, were, who are migrants. They're, they were former refugees. All of them former Muslims. They're from Syria. They're from Iran. They're from Afghanistan. Right now, we have a group of missionaries in Thessaloniki, Greece. All of them are refugee Christians. All of them. And they are serving Jesus as missionaries. That is the, that's what God does. He changes. He breaks the cycle. Blessing the city involves holistic transformation. And... I think oftentimes we limit the gospel to just the spiritual. But, but mission is about demonstrating the kingdom of God by what we do, what we say, and who we are in response to human need. When God, when God gave us this ministry, it, it's like this verse in, in Colossians that we quote a lot, but he says that he, he glorifies himself through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In the Bible, when we are reconciled to God, it reconciles everything. It changes everything. Now, does everyone come to Christ? No, but we have the, the ability by his grace to rec be reconciled with others. James 2, 15 to 17 says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of, them, one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And what I would just want to challenge you, and I think Jeremiah is challenging his people, Live out the gospel in word and deed, in presence and in proclamation, in 
Sharing the gospel and showing compassion. Both handed gospel. Don't just do one, do the whole gospel. My question, are you seeking and praying for the welfare of your city? What areas of your community does Christ want to claim that's mine? I want that. Have you limited your gospel engagement? Or do you, are you having a balance of word and deed? Who are the widows, orphans, and aliens, and the poor in your city? And what does God want you to do about them? Wow, we're really out of time here. I just want to read a couple more scriptures and then try to land this plane here. Verse 8 and 9, it says, yes, I should skip to, skip to 10. This is what the Lord God says. When 70 years are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Living as a blessing of the city means that you are living, even though you have a home here in Syracuse, this isn't your home. You're really passing through. Everything you have, everything God has given you, is to be a blessing to others. And when you see yourself in stewardship of your time, your treasure, your talents, it changes the way when people, new people, 100 new people a month, come to Syracuse, all of a sudden you have, a, you have an idea that there's not a scarcity. God has given me this, I can share this. It's not mine. I can give this. My allegiance is not to a particular king or kingdom. My allegiance is to God's kingdom. When you have a kingdom mindset, you are living basically as an exile. So I would challenge the church, as you are missionaries, all of us, that you actually identify a little bit with being really not of this place. And it will, it will downplay some of your attachments to the things that you own, to your time, to your treasures, to your kids. You might even send some of your kids to be missionaries. And I would challenge you guys, it's great being on, on the shoulders of people supporting, being supported and prayed, but I think what God wants to do is build a pyramid, a much broader structure, and he's asking, challenging you guys, hey, climb up here, get up here, and that means parents, grandparents, you pushing your kids to say, you need to be in mission. I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to give to you, but you get up there, you see what God's doing in the world, and let's fulfill this thing together. God has given us a future and a hope. We cannot be paralyzed by fears of the changing world around us, by the lack thereof or the scarcity of what's available for this or that. We need to be generous with what God has given us, and we need to give that for the sake of his name and his glory. We are called to be exiles with a kingdom hope. When you feel like this place is not your home, and it's changing, everything's changing, Step back for a minute, listen to the words of Isaiah, or Jeremiah, I'm sorry, and say, God knows a future and a hope. He knows the plans. This isn't my plan. He knows the plan. And he's going to bring around all the, na- from all the nations, he's going to bring us back to his home and his time. It's, he's totally sovereign. We need courageous Christians willing to endure the shame and Communicate a convincing hope 
to this generation that's becoming increasingly resistant, disenchanted with the gospel. The world is changing. But what are we going to do, generation, older generation, I'm throwing myself in there, to prepare and equip the younger generation to take the gospel to the next place? There's no going back. This ship has sailed. There's no imagining that world can, the world can be back 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. What will the gospel look like in the future? How will we prepare our families and our kids to live out the gospel into the future? And that starts with having this kingdom mindset, living as an exile, sharing the whole gospel, dealing with injustice in the world, showing compassion, preaching the gospel, all of us together on mission for God. If we do that, we have a bright future. We have a, we have a gospel going forward. We will stay on mission. If we get defensive, if we get inward looking, if we get reserved with what we have, if we try to protect our kids from the world out there that's so scary and changing, we will not fulfill the mission that God has asked us to do. We need committed Christians whose identity and calling is connected to Christ and his kingdom. We need compassionate Christians who will create communities in an increasingly isolated world. When Nikki and I got back from the the field, we were, it was amazing how chatty people are after COVID. People are just strangers talking to us. Now, I'm an outgoing person. I, I love talking to strangers. And I'm thinking, this is great. Nikki's like, this is weird. Um, <laughs> she, you, let's utilize this isolation as coming together to talk a little bit about Jesus. Talk a little bit about community. Invite people in. Because they are Lonely, lonely, lonely. They're broken. That's the role of the church. Government can't do that. We can create community. We can love people to Jesus. It starts, and I'll close with this, guys. Sorry for the PowerPoint being all over the place. Bringing blessing means seeking his heart. He says, if you will call on me, come to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. But you must seek me with all of your heart. Revival does not take place out there. It takes place in here, in my heart. Revival is not the city over there. The revival is in our midst. It always starts from the bottom up, rises up, and it changes to all aspects of the community in a city and a nation. We need to pray for revival in our hearts. That's what was the message of Jeremiah. If we are revived, then God will revive us and revive his, his people. My challenge is to go change your world. This city, this Onondaga County, the state, the nation, the world. It's the Great Commission. Don't settle for the Good Commission. Do the Great Commission. The whole world. And it starts with changed hearts. God capturing us. Breaking our hearts for the thing that breaks his heart. And what breaks his heart is people without a shepherd. He wants you to shepherd and lead them to the only one that can bring change and lasting hope in their life. You're it. You are the, you are the light. Matthew 5, 8, 16, 18. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father is in heaven. This is not a time to retreat. It's not a time to wish for the world to change. This is a time to shine 
When it's darkest, that's when we shine. So go light your world. Thank you.